Hey now, welcome to Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or digital. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next, so you have enough time to watch it. If you enjoy Random Movie Club, you can help keep it going by supporting us on Patreon. Supporters get special benefits like bonus episodes, patron-only events, and more. Show your support for Random Movie Club and The Geek Generation by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. On this episode, I'll be discussing Rush Hour with Damian Cranshaw. Let's roll the film. Rush Hour was released in 1998 from director Brett Ratner. Written by Russ Lamana and Jim Coff, the film stars Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. So, Damien. Yes? Why did you choose this movie? Alrighty, so I kind of have three-ish reasons why I picked this movie. Three-ish? Yeah, so I'll go in, you know, kind of chronological order. Rush Hour was one of the first, like, Jackie Chan movies that I ever even, like, saw. It was kind of like my first introduction to him as an sure. actor. So it came out in, you know, 98, and I was too young at the time to have seen it. But uh, I, I would have seen it, you know, around the age of 10 on like TV syndication, you know, catching bits of pieces of it, mm-hmm. uh, sitting down with my mom and watching parts of it. And I remember like, you know, really liking it and rewatching it. There were scenes that were sticking out. I was like, I remember watching this when yeah, I was a kid. Totally. I thought this was awesome. And so fast forward about 15 years or so to last summer and Rush Hour 1 and 3 just happened to be on like the TV one day, like mm-hmm. just on the guide. And I was like, I looked to my little brother. I'm like. You haven't seen Rush Hour, and I haven't seen Rush Hour in a very long time. Allow me to introduce you. And so it turns out that summer, Rush Hour 1 and Rush Hour 3 were, like, always being shown together on, like, a bunch of different channels. Like, for two weeks, it'd be on, like, FX. And then IFC would get the rights to it and show it off. And it was, like, always 1 and 3. It's interesting, yeah, that it skipped 2. It's because Rush Hour 2 is, like the most like it's like the higher rated one okay so i'm guessing more expensive more and they interesting people hold and companies hold on to it longer so you know eventually you know we got through the entire series and it just kind of became a running joke that we'd go home on the weekend and we'd like look and be like hey is rush hour on and if it was we would just put it on the background that's funny so it was just like always good and really now the reason i want to do this episode is that like for like the past decade, there have been rumors of a Rush Hour 4 in production. Oh, yeah. And like interviews with Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan, they're always like, oh, it's a possibility. We'd want to do it. And I was looking, doing the research recently, and it was like, they're actually working with a script writer. And there's a really good possibility of a Rush Hour 4 coming. So if anybody who's important in making that happen listens to this, <laughs> or at least, you know, if you know somebody, make sure they listen to this because I want a Rush Hour 4. I would watch it. For sure. Yeah. As I always do, I go on to IMDb and gather a whole bunch of trivia. And for this, according to director Brett Ratner, this movie was the first movie to be released in the U.S. featuring Jackie Chan in an English-speaking role without any kind of dubbing. No kidding. According to Ratner, before this movie, Chan always had his voice dubbed over in his English-speaking roles because of his uncertainty in speaking the language. For this movie, however... Ratner convinced him to forego the dubbing as it would lend to the authenticity of his character. Really? That's really cool. And it does. Yeah, it does. And it it's nice to see that, you know, after his career had started, you know, 20 years beforehand, that he felt that he was confident enough that yeah. 
he could speak in the second language now. Yeah. Ratner was a big fan of Jackie Chan's Hong Kong movies. He felt that American audiences would not be familiar with the jokes in Jackie's other movies and deliberately reused some of his gags. For example, the scene where Inspector Lee accidentally grabs Johnson's breasts is a reference to Jackie Chan's film, Mr. Nice Guy. No kidding. Huh. I thought it was just kind of funny. Yeah. But that's, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. That's cool. Uh, the afro and mustache in the photo on Detective Carter's badge were added as an afterthought in post-production. I don't think I ever noticed that. So when they look at the photo real quick, in, mm-hmm. uh, it's when he gives him his LAPD yeah. ID and has him flip open. They do a quick shot of his photo in there and he has a mustache and an afro. No kidding. I got to yeah. go back and watch that. All right, I, <laughs> I've never noticed that. Jackie Chan was almost killed. <laughs> Guess which what? scene? It could be any of them. <laughs> Jackie Chan was almost killed filming the scene where he is almost crushed by the metal boxes. Oh, my God. They slammed together about a quarter of a second after his head was clear. Wow. And that's an early scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if they filmed it in necessarily yeah, in that no order, idea. but wow. Oh, my God. And it, he does his own stunts. He does. Which and that is looks incredible. super dangerous. Like, the timing is that close. Wow. Yeah. Chris Tucker improvised much of his dialogue, as he normally does in his movies. Mm-hmm. According to Ratner, during the scene at Grauman's where Detective Carter bribes Stucky for information, there was so much improvisation between Tucker and John Hawks that they thought they might not be able to edit it together as a coherent conversation. Oh, my God. There are still some continuity errors in the dialogue for this reason. Hmm. Good to know. They were just rambling all over the place. Right. But that's what happens when you pick a, a comedian you oh, know, yeah. that, that does stand up. He's not just in comedy movies. Absolutely. So he's good at spinning a yarn. Also at Grauman's Chinese Theater, Carter shows Inspector Lee the footprints of John Wayne an actor who Chan went on to spoof in Shanghai Noon, mm-hmm. Shanghai Nights, and Shanghai Dawn. Yep. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Yeah. Obviously something they didn't know, but just over time became something more important. Right. Martin Lawrence was the original choice for Carter. Eddie Murphy was offered the role, but he turned it down to make Holy Man instead. Dave Chappelle, Will Smith, and Tupac Shakur really? were also considered for the role of Carter. Wow. For one, that's a lot of different people to turn it down. But yeah. Tupac, I wouldn't have expected that. No. Well, the others were considered. Sure. Not necessarily oh, okay. offered. Okay, I get you. But yeah, uh, Eddie Murphy was the only one confirmed to actually have turned it down there. I see. Chris Tucker's line, which one of y'all hit me, comes from Seven Samurai, in which a drunk samurai gets hit on the head with a stick and says, which one of you hit me? Oh, that's a neat reference. Yeah. It's also kind of funny because like, if you look at the the camera shot of that kick, it's like so ridiculous. It's so out of nowhere. Yeah, it's really good. And it's one of the things I remember the most from the trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah. After filming and editing was completed, a rough test cut was shown to audiences who demanded more Jackie Chan action scenes. The crew went back for a few more filming days and added in the scene where Chan fights multiple bad guys during the closing confrontation and the giant vase scene. That wasn't originally in there. It was not. And That's I think it's one of the one better of the best. scenes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I really like that one. Well, I'm glad they demanded more. And lastly, this movie is considered to be a remake of 1988's Red Heat, which stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jim Belushi. Really? Both movies are about tough foreign policemen who go to the United States and partner up with cocky American policemen to take on a crime lord from the foreign policeman's country. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna have to go watch that. I know, right? I'd, I'd never like I'd never heard of the other movies, so that's 
Good to know. Yeah, I hadn't either until we did the uh, IMD Babel recently with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, maybe if I get some spare time, I'll uh, do a comparison right up. <laughs> there you go. All right, so let's get into the movie itself. Uh, we begin in Hong Kong with Inspector Lee thwarting the transportation of smuggled art by known crime lord Jun Tao. Jun Tao himself is nowhere to be seen, and his right-hand man Sang gets away, but the artwork is successfully recovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good opening scene. It uh, gives us a sort of like a good opening to Jackie Chan's character mm-hmm. as Inspector Lee. You know, he's armed with a gun, but he doesn't fire. You know, he's not the person to shoot first. He wants to apprehend and capture, mm-hmm. um, which kind of sets, you know, a good idea of like who he is as a person. And we get our first taste of his him doing his stunts. Of course. I like an action cold open. Yeah. Just get the ball rolling right away. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Chinese Consul Han and British Commander Thomas Griffin are at a farewell dinner for Han as he's heading off to the United States to take up a new diplomatic position. Han's daughter, Sue Young, is upset that Lee is not going to America with them. He gives her a necklace to remember him by. She's adorable. She and is. It's a really good way to show why we're bringing from Hong Kong going to America. Yeah. It's a pretty believable and good uh, situation to yep. kind of bring the plot good forward. Good explanation, just enough exposition and to set everything up. It they doesn't set take up, too long. It doesn't. And they set up a few threads that are going to come back mm-hmm. later. Right. Not only uh, with Griffin, but the necklace. Yep. And all these nice little touches that yeah, kind of tie the scene the to the rest of the movie. To his yep. stomach. Another thing that comes back later. Yeah. Like it's a really good setup. We cut to Los Angeles where Detective Carter is undercover trying to bust Clive, a dealer selling explosives. A couple officers interfere, not knowing that Carter is undercover. Mm-hmm. One of them gets their pinky shot off by Clive for it. Yeah. This this scene is like a great like foil to the previous scene because the first scene is like it's calm, it's professional, mm-hmm. and then you just get James Carter coming in. You know he's loud, bombastic. He's driving like an asshole. You know he comes in, they, they're doing the deal. He's running his mouth. Yep. And then in his negligence, the the dealer shoots the other cops. When he takes off, he doesn't go and really check on the other cops. He's like, no, nah, I'm just going to go after the other guy. Yeah. Y- y'all should have listened to me. Sets up kind of his personality. Right. Like at this time in the movie, everything really is about him. Right. They they develop these characters very quickly. Yeah. Clive takes off in his car and Carter shoots at it multiple times, eventually hitting the C4 in the trunk and blowing it up just after Clive rolls out. Carter reveals his badge and places Clive under arrest. One thing to notice is that after he like, you know, has his little victory thing, he does a victory dance to Michael Jackson's song, Another Part of Me. Yep. And if you notice the rest of the series in Rush Hour 2, he does a big performance, you know, doing karaoke as Michael Jackson and doing dance moves and stuff like that. So they call back to that in the next movie. I think in real life, he's a big fan. Not only a big fan, he was a friend of Michael Jackson. Right. Yeah. 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 Like he knew him personally. So little nods to his buddy in the movie. Yep. At the Chinese consulate in L.A., Han sends Young off to school with a driver. She annoys her drivers by singing some Mariah Carey before the car stops. It is so funny. It really is. And so 90s. So 90s. And it sets up a little bit of another singing scene that comes on later on in the movie. Also true. Yeah. Uh, Sang appears in a police uniform and shoots the drivers. He attempts to grab Young, and she cuts next to his eye with the necklace. She runs away, but is picked up by Sang's crew. I like that. It kind of showed that, like, you know, she's been a, a student of Lee. Like, mm-hmm. he, he taught her to defend herself. And, like, Feisty. she doesn't just get caught right away. She actually escapes for a little bit, which yep. is pretty cool. 
And Sang said the name of the movie. Yeah, in like <laughs> the most awkwardly delivered way yeah. of saying it. And uh, I'll talk more about the title later. But It man. is always funny when people do that yeah. in such a blatant way. So bland. FBI agents Russ and Whitney inform Consul Han that his daughter has been kidnapped. He says that he'd like one of his men on the case. And before they can refuse, he says that his man is already on the way. You know, can't say no if he's going to show up. Dang right. <laughs> Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Exactly. At the LAPD, we meet Johnson, who works with the bomb squad. It's here that we learn about Carter's aversion to having a partner. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's funny, too, because, like, the scene opens up with him just absolutely exaggerating his mm-hmm. account of what happened. Like, he's got the newspaper in, and he's, like, acting like he was, like, the big hero. And then Johnson comes in and immediately berates him and all that stuff. And, uh... She she mentions that he may be on suspension and stuff. Yep. So it's like, we know he's full of garbage. We know what happened in this movie. He's definitely the most entertaining part. Yeah. But in real life, he would be. Oh, my God. The None of this would have flied at all. No, no. He would. I would have hated him in yeah. real life. But yeah. he's such a great character. Exactly. Fun to watch. Definitely don't want to be next to. Him. Absolutely. Russ and Whitney decide to get someone from the LAPD to babysit Hans man and keep him out of the way of the investigation. The captain sends over Carter to punish him for making a mess of the bust, but under the guise of the FBI requesting him. I think it's a fitting punishment. It's really funny. I love the whole setup to it, too. I love when he's sitting at Johnson's desk. Yeah. He's like, go, you playing with me. Yeah. But what did you hear about me getting suspended? (laughs) (laughs) Really great delivery. Yep. Carter heads to the consulate to meet with the agents who give him his assignment. Uh, my first thing I notice here is how baggy his suit was. Yeah. Because it's the 90s and yep. we all wore clothes that were way too baggy for us. Yeah. And he's got that jacket, too. Yeah. And then they throw in the line, you know, it's 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 a G14 classified mission. Oh, yes. And that later comes back. And there's a lot of lines that are set up early in the movie that come back again later on in the totally, movie. Totally, yeah. Yeah, they do a lot of that. They do. Circling back. I kind of like it. I do, too. Carter arrives at the airport to pick up Inspector Lee. Despite his attempts at communication... Lee gives off the impression that he doesn't speak English. Lee wants to find Sue Young, and despite Carter's orders, so does he. We get one of the famous lines, Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Another one that was a big one from the trailer, I believe. And comes back around in Rush Hour 2 as a reference to the first movie. That's right. I haven't watched Rush Hour 2 in a while. I have a lot of those highlighted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, while tracking down leads, Carter loses track of Lee, who leads him on a chase from one vehicle to the next. I thought it was a little extreme for Carter to, like, hold his gun on Lee. Yeah. As he got next to him, like, both times. Honestly, I think it sets up his mindset of what it means to be in the FBI. Because in this scene, like, he commandeers a guy's motorcycle, throws him off, it steals it, holds the gun up at gunpoint because he thinks he can do anything because he's FBI now. Yeah. I I, I like the the scene, too, because there's a lot of going through traffic, changing cars and Mm -hmm. stuff. And then, uh, yeah. I like the bit with the cab driver too. Yes. Pulling out the gun onto him and they in sync they both like drop their guns. Yep. And do the like Yeah, just like they they Yeah. Yeah. And like we saw Lee like disarm Carter. Yep. And he's like, Oh, okay. No, he can play too. That comes back. Yes, it does. Oh my goodness. And then we find out here that Lee can speak English. Yeah. It's revealed Lee actually does speak English. Uh they make their way to a bar where Carter and Lee are let into the back. Once Lee leaves Carter drops the act and talks to the guy in charge, who's his cousin. He asks for information, but can't get much out of him. Just because I don't think he knows. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was good to send Lee out. That way, everything could be nice and calm. Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, we really get to see that, like, Cotter has this relationship with the underground. Like, he has his informants, the people that he goes to for information. Yeah. You know, he probably promises them favors and stuff uh, or looking the other way when things go down. Yeah. Meanwhile, Lee offends the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> and starts a fight in the bar. I actually have a bit of trivia here that I'm surprised you didn't find. During the fight here in this bar scene, there's mm-hmm. a song that's playing in the background. And it's like a 50s jazz song okay the name of the song is called night train and it's the same song that is played in the opening scene of the enchantment under the sea dancing back to the future really oh my goodness i did not notice that at all this version here is by james brown and his band and then the one in back to the future was uh led by uh this guy named pizzazzi Oh, okay. So it's yeah. a different arrangement. It's a, it's a different arrangement, okay. but That's it's the same song. Notice. And it's one of the, like, you know, you don't notice it unless you've watched it a few times. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He takes everyone down and reunites with Carter before they leave. Uh, during this fight, my thought was, is stumble fighting mm-hmm. martial art because Jackie Chan has this weird mix yeah. between what he's doing. It looks like he's always slightly out of control mm-hmm. and then just maneuvers at the last second smoothly yes. into something to get out of the way yeah and most of the time like you get the the idea that he's a pacifist he doesn't want to fight he's always right. trying to defuse a fight that's true so he doesn't want to hurt somebody too hard he's always saying like don't fight me or whatever and then you always get like the like the punch and then he's like ah my hand yeah thing. And it's, it's yeah he's not afraid like he's not your typical action star where he's like right i'm just indestructible and i crush everything and He's not afraid to show the vulnerability side. Right. I've actually looked looked into him a little bit, and that's kind of where his style came from. Is that like he was supposed to do like a uh, a Bruce Lee movie, like okay. you know, trying to be the next Bruce Lee, and he couldn't keep up with that style of fighting. So his became like a comedy kung fu. Interesting. Like a, yeah, and that's why like some of his movies were like Drunken Master and like some of these other things where it's like it's funny. Yeah. It's amazing, and the stunts are cool, but it's funny. And he fights with his, with his environment and all these other things. Way to roll with it. His it's fighting so style good. is just like his life choices. Right. Yeah, he, he just flows he, with it. He choreographs all of these things because he knows his style. That's cool. So impressive. At a convenience store, Lee manages to ditch Carter by detaching his steering wheel and takes a cab to the Chinese consulate. After a misunderstanding at the front gate and after a lot of effort, he sneaks inside to get to Han. Yeah, the Part of the scene where he does the thing where he climbs up the wall and then like his face is like in the security yeah, camera. Yeah. That's one of those standout moments from when I was young that I found absolutely hysterical. Yeah, I don't even know if I noticed it the first time mm-hmm. I saw it, but I do love that as a little detail because yeah. it is so fast. It is. But it's hilarious that like he's trying to avoid everything and mm-hmm. then just jumps directly right in front in of a camera. security camera. It's so funny. I feel like if this movie happened now mm-hmm. they would have done a shot from like the top back of the security camera right yeah. in his face to point it out like and that have first him, point person view yeah and have yeah. like his facial reaction mm-hmm. but i like it this way better yeah yeah it's then a he's like, little thing yeah and then he like points it away with yeah. his hand it's great when carter arrives he picks up a phone as sang is coincidentally calling he gives instructions for the ransom drop and the fbi tracks his location yeah and the thing, too, is that it was an accidental pickup. Like, he was doing the, he responded with the G14 classified yeah. line, and then he was going to, like, fake call his dude as the phone rang, and that's why he answered it, and, oh. Uh, it rings for a split yeah. second right before right he picks before it he up. Right before he picks it up. Yeah. And now he had no choice. Yep. At the building, Sang sets off explosives and makes a run for it. Lee and Carter pursue, but are once again unable to catch him. Yeah. That was a crazy scene. It was. I mean, the building explodes. Everything is like going, falling apart. And now Lee and Carter are 
basically are taking their matters back into their own hands again. Yeah. And but yeah, he gets away. Back at the LAPD, Carter asks Johnson about a device that Sang dropped while they were chasing him. She confirms that it's likely a remote for explosives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she she wasn't going to cooperate right away, but they, you know, he wears him down with his persistence because she's still mad at him. He messes with her the whole movie. Yeah. He's awful to her. He really is. Carter goes to question Clive, who doesn't want to talk. When Lee shows him the photo of Sue Young, he spills all the info they need. Jun Tao is behind it and he's hiding out at the Fu Chow restaurant. Yeah. We have a good interaction here that shows like how how Cotter again, like the guy that runs the security for the jail, like, you know, yep. he he got him the job, but like they also like shared a bag of weed together yeah. and like all these other things. I love Clive too mm-hmm. in this scene. I thought he was great in the opening scene that he was in. Yeah. And he's great in this scene as well. He has a really good verbal verbal charisma or verbal chemistry mm. with Tucker. Yeah. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, it's like he doesn't put up with his bullshit. Like he's yeah. like, you're not gonna get anything out of me. I don't care. They just work well together too. I'd watch a movie with the two of them. Honestly, yeah. unfortunately, he passed in Did 2006. He? Yeah. Oh man, I know. missed opportunity. Yeah, the two go to stake out the place and kill time by dancing, practicing some gun stealing techniques, and grabbing some food. Uh, now that they're on the same page, this is like their whole bonding montage. Yeah, it's such a great scene, and it, it, it's like. It, it, in any other movie, it would kind of feel out of place, mm-hmm. but like it's so funny. I mean, Jackie just starts singing "War" like in his in his accent, yeah. and, and like the radio isn't on. He's not listening to That's a CD player. He just starts singing it on his own, and I think it's just like from that perspective, must have been just so ridiculous. But it's, it's his kind of so like funny. Mo- most loose moment, yeah. character wise. Up it to really that point. is. Yeah, yeah. You don't see him dancing. You nope. don't see him doing. All these other things. But yeah, he teaches them like how to disarm mm-hmm. in like a bunch of different ways. And it's a really good movement. I wonder, too, if Jackie Chan's singing rhythm and dancing rhythm is really that bad mm. or if it was just for the character. I want to I want to think it, it was him putting it on for the character. Yeah. It is funny, though, how like he doesn't even flow with the song. No, rhythm. he doesn't. It's re- <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Sang calls the FBI to confirm the drop location, which is the alley of the Fu Chao restaurant. Meanwhile, Carter enters the restaurant and asks for Jun Tao. The hostess goes upstairs where the gang is seated, and it's revealed that Jun Tao is Thomas Griffin, mm-hmm. the British commander. Good reveal. It really is. Like, we don't know it all up no. until that point. I love Tom Wilkinson, too. Yeah. He's not in this movie a ton. No, he isn't. And that I think that's part of what helps with the reveal. Like, yeah. we don't cut to him at all un- until this point. Yeah, we saw him just long enough to make him Visible. fairly memorable. Yeah. And then, yeah, right to this. Sitting in the restaurant, Lee almost drinks a poison he's being served. At least I assume. Yeah, that was no, a poison. I think it was a poison as well. But notices that the waitress is wearing the necklace he gave Su Young. Yeah. Saved by the necklace. Another callback. Yep. Carter is taken upstairs where Sang and the crew start to beat him up when Lee enters and they turn the tide. One of the better fight scenes in the movie. Yeah, it's a really good fight scene. And before the fight scene, when the, they're beating on Carter, we get the, the the line, drop the gun, fight me like a man. Yeah, you know, he's pleading for his life. He's like, all right, well, maybe if I can just take a beating, you know, maybe Lee will come in and save me. Yeah. And that's another important line for the movie. And another one they set up here, too, when Sang hits Carter mm-hmm. and throws the rag to him 
and says, uh, wipe, wipe, your, wipe, wipe yourself, yourself off, off. You're bleeding. bleeding. Yeah. Another one that comes back later. Yeah. In this fight scene, we also get to see kind of like that buddy kick at the end mm-hmm. where like they're like, watch out behind you. And they grab hands and do the kick. Yeah. That happens again in Rush Hour 2. That's true. They escape the restaurant only to find the FBI have arrived to make the drop. But it turns out they've ruined it. Yeah. Due to their error, Han is sending Lee home and Carter is being kicked off the case. Yeah. Like. In real life, they would have received probably a lot worse than this. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. They, they got off lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sang calls to schedule another drop for more money, this time at the Chinese Expo, while Griffin shows up at the consulate to see Han. Mm-hmm. So now you got the villain, who you know is the villain. Right. Consoling the guy he's screwing over. Right. And, man. That is just some serious evil. Carter gets onto Lee's plane and convinces him to stay and finish the job. While they're talking, we find out that Carter's dad was killed while he was giving some punk a traffic ticket and his partner didn't back him up. So now we have an actual reason from his past. Yeah. Why he doesn't want to rely on a partner. And I like the timing of this scene because it came after like their bonding scene. So like you really get to see that they trust each other now mm-hmm. and they actually have like a connection with each other and they're actually like friends. Yeah, Carter's actually reaching out to somebody right. at the same time that he's admitting why he never reaches out to anybody. Right. And he's invested in Sue Young not just for, you know, his FBI ego trip. Now it's actually something personal. Yeah, because at this point I don't think he cares much about not the at FBI all. thing at all, as no. we see evidence later. Yeah. At the Chinese Expo, Carter recognizes Griffin from the monitors at the restaurant, but doesn't understand the significance. Mm-hmm. Lee does, though. Yeah. Doesn't do a lot about it in that moment. No. But the look of, oh, my goodness, yeah. just kind of washes over his face. There's a problem here. Yeah. Carter gets everyone's attention and announces that there's a threat on the building, starting an evacuation, of course, prompting the FBI to freak out again. Yeah, they're like, Carter's here. What is he doing here? At this point, Lee sees Griffin getting the trigger from Sang and calls him out as Jun Tao. Mm-hmm. Carter sneaks away and finds Su Young in a van outside wearing a vest covered with C4. Yeah. I don't know if it was Griffin's best choice to do no. that out in the open like that. I don't know if he was just feeling like it didn't matter anymore at that point. Yeah. But I thought he still would have been smart enough to kind of slip away and maybe just have Sang. Yeah. Take the fall. Yeah. Let your, let your guys deal with it and you yeah. just kind of run out the back for a guy running a criminal empire right (laughs) not the smartest decision yeah i mean we find out that in this that he was like the private quote private collector of all these artworks so like this is a personal revenge on him absolutely And like the console and inspector lee were the ones that were head of the investigation that reclaimed everything yeah so like maybe his his vengeance is stronger than his uh rationale right now totally Right before Griffin can leave, Carter drives the van through a wall and into the expo. He and Sue Young taunt Griffin until Lee pulls her to safety. Mm -hmm. Johnson deactivates the vest and Lee takes it with him. Love the scene with Carter and Sue Young. Push a button. Push the goddamn button. Do (laughs) it. Really good. She is, again, like every scene she's in, she's hysterical. Yeah. Or adorable, or, or both, or both. Like yeah. she, she, she was a great casting. Oh yeah, and she totally. does it really well. Um, so after they get the bomb off, yep. and Lee's running back with it to meet up with Carter again, so they can kind of figure out what's going yeah, on. Yeah, we also get another line where Lee's like, "You go that way, I go this way." Yeah, that's another referenced line in Rush Hour too. Also true. Yep, that's right, man. Yeah. There's a lot of them, and I didn't look them up. They just kind of clicked. Yeah, Griffin starts making his way to the roof, and Lee pursues. 
Carter finds Sang holding a gun on Agent Russ. And after a quick shootout, Sang is dead. Yeah. Wipe yourself, yourself off, off, man. You, you did. You did. <laughs> and the, he uses uh, Carter's line against him, tries to trick him into putting the gun down. That's true. Because he, he has a second gun. But Carter is smarter and dodges the bullet and shoots him with his other gun. gun. Yeah. They both had the same plan, they too. The same but plan. Carter was smart enough to drop and get his shot in. Yep. Griffin attacks Lee with a briefcase of money to knock him a briefcase, whatever, massive giant suitcase, giant thing of money to knock him from the ceiling. And it opens up and showers onto the expo hall. Not his best choice. No. Honestly, he probably could have like stepped on his fingers or something. Right. No, you're going to risk your money. And I feel like momentum wise, they had him swing the case like one time too many. Yeah. Not to necessarily convince you that it would make it open at that point, but it just felt like. He's really taking his time with those things. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what are we doing? Yep. Uh, Griffin then goes over the edge and hangs on to Lee, but falls to his death when the vest rips. Yeah. So now we're now we're left with Lee hanging there for dear life. They did do a very PG death, too. Yeah, he falls in the water. You don't see it. You don't see it. No. You don't hear it, really. It's just a splash. It's just like, he did. He did. <laughs> In case you were wondering, he did. Unable to hold on or climb back up, Lee lets go and begins to fall as Carter pulls a large banner into the path of his fall, providing a slide for him to get to the ground a lot safer. Yeah, he makes it. He survives. But like he honestly thought that he was going to die. Like, oh, yeah. After he he's back on the ground, like he kisses Carter on the cheek, which Carter freaks out at. Yeah. And he's like, I was just being polite. But I think that versus Carter joking about it where he's like, yo, just hang on for like an hour. I'll go get help. And it's like, oh, like, like, it's not the like, time, dude. Yeah. You, you see that Carter's there to just make a joke where like you at the aftermath, you see that like Inspector Lee literally thought he was done for. Yeah. Like that was the biggest amount of relief. That I he also like uh, Carter's follow up line to I was just being polite. Yeah. Like, well, next time be polite to my nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Which could be interpreted in multiple ways. He's saying yeah. kiss my balls. Yeah. Not. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not I know, what he meant, but... But we really don't see a clear crotch kick or anything, you know? No, no. Sue Young is reunited with her father and Lee, and Lee gives her back the necklace. Yep, but not after she punches him, Again. being like, what took you so long? Yeah. Which is a good callback to, you know, the punch at the beginning of the movie. Yep, she full attitude. Yeah. We cut to Carter about to get on a flight when agents Russ and Whitney show up. They let him know that there's an FBI badge waiting for him, but Carter tells them to shove it up the ass because yep. he's LAPD. Yep. And they put him through a lot of crap and he doesn't want to deal with it. Nope. Smart man. On the plane, Carter sits next to Lee in first class. He's taking two weeks to go to Hong Kong with him. After finding out that the flight is 15 hours, Lee starts singing war again and Carter starts yelling for a new seat. Yep. Oh, my God. Such a good, good ending. It is. I love I love the end note that they go out on mm -hmm. where he's like, listen to me. Yeah. And <laughs> what then they, a good note. So good. Yeah. And then they cut to the actual song in the credits. And it's just like a very good, like, concise way to end it. Yeah. And like, you know that the day is saved, but like, it's not like some super wrapped up epilogue or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it, it left enough room open for Rush Hour 2, which it did. Totally. But as a standalone, it's hilarious how it ends. It is really good. I uh, I also love, even though it's not a part of the movie's narrative, mm -hmm. I love the gag reel. The, the outtakes, the, the bloopers. It's funny because I remember some of those moments as mm -hmm. like movie moments. Yeah, right. Because they're well-produced shots. Like, yeah. And they're hysterical. Like, I was going to write notes on them, but I'm like, no, just watch them. 
they're, they're funny, really good. they're wholesome, yeah. and actually they're sort of a signature of Jackie Chan. He didn't create the outtakes reel, mm-hmm. but a lot of his films, like even like the ones in Hong Kong, have these outtake reels. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. There's yeah. so much stuff that he does. And I know we didn't like get into the action scenes just because they're such a hard thing right. to discuss. But there's so much that he does that requires precision and getting things right or relying on coincidence right. sometimes, too. Like the the scene I always think of about in the gag, the reel is the one where he like flips up the gun yep. and catches it and sticks it through the steering wheel. Yeah. There's a lot of things that have to go right in that moment for that to work out as well as it does. And it looks awesome in the movie. It does. But you have to think of how many takes that took to get right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the bloopers are great. Yeah, they really are. And that is Rush Hour. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the movie before we wrap it up? Um. Yeah. I want to say overall, I mean, it's 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 one of my favorite movies. I think it's a great movie. It's it's not without its flaws, but for what it is, it's good. I think they could have done better with Detective Johnson's character. True. She's the, the main female character aside from Sue Young, who's the one who's kidnapped. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a few things in this that make it feel a little dated. A little dated. Exactly. Yeah. Like there was a missed opportunity where she's disarming the C4 vest where I think she could have, instead of leaving it up to chance where she's like roses or red, violets or blue and just picks a, a wire at random. Right. It could have been a good, a good scene of redemption from earlier where she like fails the practice bomb. True. So I feel like that takes away from her heroics and then she's not seen again for the rest of the movie. Also true. So it's, it's a real bummer that she doesn't show up again. But I do appreciate that Carter doesn't get the girl in the end. Yeah. Because he did not deserve her at And all. I don't think he was sincere about it's, going no. after her anyway. Yeah. No. It's all just I I feel like he's just one of those I'm going to be this perceived image of machismo. Exactly, yeah. It's his front. Yeah. Yeah, he he it's it's that's what he, the persona that he puts on. Yep. Also worth noting is that the soundtrack went platinum. For this really? Movie. Yeah. Wow. It was number 5 on the Billboard 200. And, and it's a good soundtrack. It is a good soundtrack and director Brett Ratner got his start directing music videos. And some oh, of the artists right. on the soundtrack were people that he did music videos for. That's interesting. So it's a, yeah. I'm sure he pulled some strings to get some of these big artists to contribute yeah, yeah. to the soundtrack. Yeah, a way to bring your past work into your present work. Yeah. Totally. Call in the favors. Right. Smart move. Yep. Cool. Anything you'd like to plug as we get out of here? Well, uh, yeah, I'm a, a staff member of the Geek Generation. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MC Hammer Bro, and you can check out my work on the site by searching my name, Damien. There may be more content that I'll produce in the future, hopefully. Nice. But yeah, that's me. Cool. Well, thank you for being here for doing this. Of course. Thank you, Rob. Random Movie Club is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. You can support Random Movie Club and get access to exclusive bonus content by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Join our community on Discord at thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord. Our theme song is provided by Michael McLeod of Wolfstein Music. A link to his site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss Paddington 2. See you then. <laughs>